Welcome to ING's Think Aloud, where we try to make sense of the world in the most unbanky way we can. In today's episode... Is the ECB going to buy junk bonds? We have not discussed any change to the APP at this point in time. Within our mandate, we will adjust as and when needed. Christine Lagarde, president of the European Central Bank, hinting there that the bank could follow its US counterpart in expanding its asset purchase program to include so-called fallen angels, bonds recently cast out of the investment grade world into the realms of junk status. Jerome Vandenbroek is ING's global head of sector research, and he joins me from Amsterdam to talk about this risky debt, why the ECB may end up buying it, and whether this strategy could backfire. Jerome, let's just take a step back first of all and look at how we got to this point. We all know that the coronavirus has had a severe impact on company revenues and profits, but tell us how that's rippled through the corporate bond market and what it means for borrowers and investors. Yes, the reaction within uh, corporate bond markets was obviously one of, well, I wouldn't call it panic, but something close to, to that when the coronavirus really started taking hold, particularly within Europe and the US. And what we saw was credit spreads widening to a massive degree and primary markets staying closed. The credit spread widening, basically it was five times the initial spreads that were, were being quoted earlier in the year. So the borrowing cost increased by two to three percent in places and in the high yield markets by even by four or five percent in in a matter of weeks which is a very very sudden move that was the initial reaction after that the reaction was very different and uh, we've seen a very strong redressment in spreads uh, we've seen the, the primary market open up again so it's it's possible for corporates to uh, particularly investment grade corporates to fund and to finance their liquidity needs in, in the corporate bond market. And there's been a lot of issuance as a result, with a lot of investment-grade corporates locking in financing levels, which have also started to come down quite substantially. So credit spreads have come down, well, retraced almost half their initial losses in places, which is quite surprising given the magnitude also of supply hitting the market and the underlying economic concerns that will inevitably be a concern longer term. Right. Now, some sectors have suffered more than others, and indeed some countries have suffered more than others, notably Italy. Which areas of the market are you most concerned about? When we look at sectors, I think the sectors that particularly initially had a lot of stress were the ones that would come come to mind first. Aerospace, airlines, automotive, tourism, automotive suppliers, and the energy sector. Those are the ones that have struggled the most. Credit spreads are widened most. But even some of these sectors have managed to do some financing in corporate bond markets. Carnival, cruise ship company, came to the market at a cost, but they still managed to attract financing in the corporate bond market. A lot of oil companies have come to the corporate bond market and managed to attract financing. I also mentioned energy companies. I'm very concerned, particularly about the energy companies and the energy companies in the US. The high yield sector in the US is full of energy companies and particularly the exploration and production type of companies there, the shale oil companies, they are struggling because they're now seeing interest rates of close to 20% and will obviously not be able to refinance any of their debt coming due. And that's an area that I'm very concerned about. In general, it's the high yield area I am concerned about. Most of the measures that governments, the ECB, the Fed are undertaking are aimed at investment grade corporates and perhaps some of the highest high yield corporates. 
both in commercial paper programs, but also in the fact that the market is open and their QE is all aimed at them, but not at the high yield companies. And when you have high yield sectors that struggle, both in terms of revenue generation and high debt levels, that's where the concerns will come because they will struggle to find liquidity uh, for their working capital. And as such, default rates in those areas particularly will rise substantially. Well, there has been a little bit more positive sentiment in the market recently, both in uh, corporate bonds and in stocks because of signs that the lockdown measures might be loosened in some countries. But you're predicting that we'll see quite a big chunk of triple B rated companies downgraded over the next year, which would put them into the fallen angel category. So is this recent optimism in the markets justified? Yeah, just to to reiterate that view on fallen angels, we think that there will be about 7 to 10% of the triple B universe, the lower echelons of investment grade, will get downgraded over the next 12 to 18 months and end up in the high yield space, the so-called fallen angels. That's a big category of debt that will hit that, that particular area. That's in euros. Similarly, in dollars, we're also going to see roughly 10% of all triple Bs moving into the high yield space. The rating migration, the pressure on in terms of leverage on corporates in general is very, very substantial. And therefore, you will see rating migration, i.e. downgrades. And the downgrades increases the cost of funding. And that's a necessary adjustment that the market will need to make. At the moment, we're being supported by liquidity injections, by QE, by government actions, and hence financing is possible. But longer term, from a credit quality perspective, this will have a negative effect on credit markets. Considering that we've had an almost total shutdown of the global economy, it's sort of surprising to me that we've not seen defaults reach higher levels or at least reach the levels seen in the global financial crisis. Why is that? The comparison to the global financial crisis is a good one because our estimates is actually that we'll get default rates very similar to the financial crisis. And at no point within the last few months have we seen credit spreads anywhere near the levels of during the financial crisis. Obviously, it's a different type of, of crisis. That's one aspect. And we have a functioning banking system. The fact of the matter here, too, is that perhaps, as you've indicated before, we're a little bit optimistic in financial markets at this particular point in time, and spreads have come back quite substantially. The thing for companies is, at the moment, they're being provided with liquidity through the corporate bond markets. They can do their financing through the corporate bond markets. They're securing financing for their working capital. They're securing liquidity for their working capital for the next few months at least. And as long as the COVID-19 crisis doesn't take too long, then that liquidity will see them through. So they're being supported by this liquidity that increases their leverage, but doesn't necessarily push them to defaults. We have seen some defaults in the very weaker or most exposed sectors, but those are usually smaller players and very leveraged players already. But we do expect these default rates to rise quite substantially. Right. Now, there is uh, more help on the way. The Federal Reserve has announced it's uh, planning to buy fallen angels. The ECB didn't discuss it this time, but it's certainly signalled that nothing is off the table. How much will this help? Because some bond funds are obviously prohibited from buying junk bonds. So even though the central banks are buying, there'll be many others who can't. 
this is true. It supports double Bs in terms of their funding costs because credit spreads will come down uh, because there will be more activity in and buying activity from the from the central banks in this category. We do think that fallen angels will be added by the ECB in the future. So it will stabilize the top end of junk bonds. So at least that will be a positive. The other positive is that for the time being, what we're seeing is that after initially seeing a lot of outflows in mutual funds and ETFs targeted to high yield and junk bonds, this is reversed. And what we're actually seeing at this particular point in time is very strong inflows. In the US even, year to date, we've actually got inflows into high yield debt, which is quite surprising. But on the other hand, because we do have those inflows, it's, it, there are others that, are, that will be buying these junk bonds. Right. You also put out a note saying that actually the ECB has other options as well beyond just the fallen angels. Tell us about that. Yeah, beyond, beyond the fallen angels, they could add the whole category of double B. But that would mean that once again, they would need to look at their collateral eligibility, as, it called, as it's called, and they would need to adjust that again, exactly what they did last week. It would be another step, a further step. For the time being, they seem to be erring on the side of caution and seem to want the banks to, be, to finance, particularly SMEs and the higher yielding companies. The announcement by the ECB very clearly targets banks once again with the better conditions for the TLTROs with the new Peltros. They basically indicate, like last week with the capital ratios, the regulations that could be loosened, that the banks are basically being asked, you need to make sure you extend your lending book to the corporate universe. So that's what they seem to be targeting at this particular point in time. Now, additionally, they could still go for a further step and add, for example, senior preferred banking debt as an option, because that again would allow them another 300 billion odd in assets that they could buy under their eligibility criteria. They're already eligible under their own criteria, but they don't buy them. So it could well be an option for them, again, to ease that funding burden on financials and allow them to increase their lending to the corporate space, which seems to be something that they're really keen to do at this particular point in time. Just returning to the strategy of of buying junk bonds, though, this is not without criticism, is it? Because some of these companies that have issued these bonds could end up defaulting and that potentially puts taxpayers on the hook. So is there a risk that this strategy backfires? In one word, yes, because what you're doing here is is credit risk. You're looking at credit risk. You have to make a very careful assumption or calculation analysis of the credit risk you're taking. You have to do the credit homework, as I always call it, and to make sure that when you do extend funds to particularly these type of leveraged players, that you do see the business model long term and that there is a strategy to make sure that that leverage is reduced in the near future. Uh, because otherwise the defaults also for the ECB or the PEP book or the CSPP book will start to increase and and thus you have that moral hazard situation. Well, let's talk about the issue of moral hazard because we're in a situation now where companies are more highly indebted than they've ever been before. It doesn't seem as though companies were in any way prepared for this kind of a recession. And even though this isn't a crisis of anyone's making, is there a moral hazard in bailing out some of these companies? Or do you think that maybe the level of debt is excusable because we've had such a long period of low interest rates and therefore companies had to take on more risk? Yeah, I think the difference here is the split between the US and Europe. 
in the US particularly, what we saw was a very heavy focus on shareholder value creation over the last five or six years after the global financial crisis. A lot of share buybacks, funding in bond markets to four share buybacks or special dividends to basically encourage share price. That's not something we've seen greatly for the European balance sheets. European corporates have been far more prudent. It's been all dependent on the fact that the European economy continued to struggle after 2011, 2012, whilst the US economy really picked up. And hence, leverage on the balance sheet in Europe wasn't really ticking upwards. Leverage on the balance sheet in the US was picking up. I would say that particularly for the US corporates and some of the, the fallen angels there, there is definitely moral hazard. If you look at the situation in Europe, it would be a little bit unfair. The larger players that I see under the fallen angel category, so far there's only one company that falls under the fallen angel adjustment, and that's Renault. There's very little you could say towards a company like that. They overextended themselves over the last seven or eight years and hadn't built a sufficient liquidity buffer in the meantime or managed their credit metrics carefully enough. So that would be... A split, particularly, I would draw in this particular argument between the US and Europe. Right. But there are inevitably going to be some companies that fall through the cracks that the ECB and the Fed just don't end up helping. Is, so is there still a risk of a credit crunch in the future? It's a very good question. Um, and unfortunately, I would say that anything is possible. The dependency on the length of the virus is the key metric here. At this particular point in time, a lot of corporates are managing to attract financing either through credit facilities, through government programs, through uh, bond markets, and uh, are shoring up their liquidity. Yes, leverage is on the rise, but we should be able to get through that crisis. But if the crisis takes a long time, then that particular liquidity they're all raising now starts to dry up. Leverage continues to tick up further, defaults rise, massively and then you are in a situation whereby unfortunately this could become another credit crunch right jerome vandenbroek ing's global head of sector research thanks very much my pleasure this podcast has been prepared by ing solely for information purposes irrespective of a particular user's means financial situation or investment objective The information does not constitute investment recommendation, nor is it investment, legal or tax advice or an offer of solicitation to purchase or sell any financial instrument. Read more at think.ing.com slash content dash disclaimer.